0: Um, if um, if you have been with us over the last several weeks, you know that we have paused our sermon series in Joshua, and we have begun a sermon series in uh, looking at the Reformation. And now this, and like I said, this is not a history lesson, although we are talking about some history. Uh, but it is more of looking at Martin Luther, that great theologian of the 1500s, and looking at his challenges to the church, the Catholic church, mind you, about their doctrine and where they're coming from. And he nailed uh, 95 challenges, or what has come to be known, the 95 theses, to the wall of the Church of Wittenberg. And those 95 theses were not intended to make history, but they did. They made their rounds, students there at that church took those 95 challenges and hand-copied them and scattered them all around because they were so impressed and so in shock by the challenges. It's amazing that students of Scripture, students of theology, had never come to the realization that much of what they had been learning and practicing, what they had grown up practicing, was leading them astray. This morning's message is entitled, The Wonderful Cross. And I want to begin by using a quote from John Piper that I'll be reading again at the close of this message, but I believe it'd be good to begin with this quote regarding the cross. John Piper writes, "...life is wasted if we do not grasp the glory of the cross." cherish it for the treasure that it is, and cleave to it as the highest price of every pleasure and the deepest comfort in every pain. What was once foolishness to us, a crucified God, must become our wisdom and our power and our only boast in the world. If we have any other boast than the cross of Jesus Christ, let me say it like this. If we place anything above the cross of Jesus Christ, which directly leads to our salvation, then we will be led astray. If we place relationships, entertainment, fame, recognition, anything above the cross of Christ, then we will be led astray. The Apostle Paul writes in chapter 6 of Galatians, But far be it from me to boast, except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by which the world has been crucified to me, and I to the world. Now, I believe that it, it matters that I share just a little bit of context of what Paul was referring to. Paul, in the book of Galatians, in the letter to the church at Galatia, in that region of churches, was writing because there was a trend amongst the Christians there, specifically those with a Jewish background, to be demanding circumcision. They were demanding circumcision of all adherents. And of course, if you know the Jewish faith, circumcision was required of all males on the eighth day after they were born. And that was a Jewish custom. And that that brought them into the fold of Israel. And so that was still required of Jewish individuals. And those who had come to Christ were now requiring circumcision. Of all the adherents. Now, the problem with that is that individuals who were coming to Christ were no longer boasting in the cross of Jesus, but they were boasting and they were holding up their circumcision as the evidence that they had been saved. And what Paul is saying is that if we boast in anything other than the cross, we will stand condemned. Our circumcision, our baptism, our good works, our fine relationships with other Christians, while those are good and beneficial and a benefit to us, they do not save us. They do not save us. It is only The blood of Christ shed upon the cross on Calvary that saves us from our sins. If we have been relying on anybody else or anything else for our salvation, we stand condemned. My wife and I are doing reruns uh, for like the fifth time. Of Everybody Loves Raymond. Now, how many in here have seen Everybody Loves Raymond? All right, so okay, I'm I'm speaking to individuals who know mostly what I'm talking about, and 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 Raymond and his family, you know, they're they're Italians, and and they and they they, they recruit this woman, Deborah, to be. I say recruit. That sounds kind of callous, right? But that's kind of what happens, right? And, into this Catholic family, and and Deborah and the family is a is a pretty, you know, they're they're pretty faithful to going to church. And everything, and when when it's time for Ray to go to church, he's always leaning on Deborah's access or her activity uh, for his own sanctification. Or if I could say it this way, I don't need Deborah goes to church for all of us, right? That's kind of the mentality. Now we hear that, and it's it's fine, it's funny. The crowd laughs. It's kind of humorous. But the truth is, is that there are many individuals. That rely on similar things for their salvation they either rely on a spouse being holy enough for the both of them they rely on past experience like I grew up in the church I'm not in the church now but I grew up in the church so therefore I am I'm saved and I'm fine or you know what and we and me and my sister were talking about this morning the the most dangerous one is this I believe is. Well, I'm a good person. I'm a good person. Isn't that what God really wants? Me to just be a good person? Just to be kind to people. Just to love one another. Isn't that really what God wants? God wants your very life. That's what He wants. Yes, being a good person is a good thing. Yes, being a loving person is a good thing. We are called to be loving. We are called to be kind and all those things. But ultimately, we are called to lay our life down at the foot of the cross. And if we have not done that, then we are not saved. Martin Luther said in the 79th challenge to the Catholic Church, he said, to say that the cross emblazoned with the papal coat of arms and set up by the indulgence preachers is equal in worth to the cross of Christ is blasphemy i want to re i want to say that again in the 79th thesis of luther nailed to that door he says to say that the cross emblazoned with the papal coat of arms and set up by the indulgence preachers is equal to the in worth to the cross of Christ is blasphemy now what does he mean by that during his time and still today not just in the catholic church but even in protestant churches there are things that are held in higher esteem than the cross of Jesus Christ at that time, it was the tradition of the church, it was the papal order, the, the, the fame of the papacy or the pope, and it was the indulgences that were received for the sake of salvation and relief from purgatory that were being held higher than the cross. Let me put it this way, is that the cross is not enough. That's what they were saying. The cross was not enough. And Martin Luther is saying, that is blasphemy. That is blasphemy. The cross is not just enough. It is the only thing. It is it. How many individuals, especially celebrities, find it to be the most common fashion trend To wear a cross around their neck or on their ears, tattooed to their arms. Because that's what the cross has become. It has become a fashion trend. Now, I'm not criticizing jewelry like that's a cross. Many of us have them. I used to have them. My son's wearing one right now. That's not a criticism of him by any means. But that cross has got to be more than a fashion trend. It has got to be. It does not matter if you ink that cross on your arm for all eternity. That ink will not save you. It does not make you more holy. It does not matter how big that cross is. That cross could be a foot tall hanging around your neck weighing 20 pounds, and have a battery and glittered in lights. And it does not mean that you are holy one bit. It may mean that you are just going to be going to hell with bling. And so many individuals, even in the church today, are taking pride and boasting in things and it's really this pride that leads to death of things that are not of eternal importance, such as the cross. When I was thinking of pride and and putting your faith in things that are not that, that are not eternal, things that are that will not save, I thought of a business, that you all know very, very well, or many of you all know very well, that existed in the 90s and in the early 2000s. In 2000, Netflix, which you all of us in here know Netflix, it's a multi-billion dollar company. But in 2000, Netflix offered to sell itself and its platform to another video company. For $50 million. They offered to sell that company for $50 million to that other company. And the CEO of that company scoffed. The story reads that he laughed the Netflix execs out of the room. That was in 2000 because they had so much pride in their platform, in their business, and they knew that Netflix was going to be gone in a matter of weeks, months, or just maybe a few years. It turns out that in 2010, Blockbuster Video went bankrupt. Just imagine if their pride had not gotten into the way, and if they had taken Netflix up on their offer, or at least not laughed at them out the door, what might have been, Because now, many of you all know that the buildings that are scattered around the country that used to say Blockbuster Video, what are they now? They're pharmacies. They're dollar generals. I think one of them is even a pet store selling like fish and stuff like that. A fish store is making more money now than Blockbuster because they sacrificed pride and they were boasting in themselves. We do not boast in anything as Christians other than the cross of cross of Jesus Christ. And so Paul writes, But far be it from me to boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by which the world has been crucified to me and I to the Lord. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, this day I pray that our hearts would boast in, in nothing but the cross of Jesus Christ and what that represents. Father, we know that we are not boasting in in something that is just an icon. We're not boasting in the literal cross, the wooden beams. We're not boasting in some sort of piece of jewelry or some sort of fashion trend. That's not what we're boasting. We are boasting in what the cross represents, which represents the death of Jesus Christ for our sins, his death, his burial, his resurrection. It is by His wounds and His alone that we are healed. Let us never boast in anything other than that. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. There are three things that I want us to remember this morning. Because I fear that many Christians, or I let me say this, Many individuals who consider themselves Christians, and many of those are not, are boasting, celebrating, placing high on a pedestal of their faith things that are unrelated or might even be antagonistic to the cross of Jesus Christ, and they stand condemned. The first thing I want to tell you this morning is that the wise boast in the cross. It's wisdom. I didn't say intelligent. I didn't say smart. I said wise. And so the opposite of that is this, is that the foolish take pride in other things than the cross. But the wise boast in the cross. In Jeremiah chapter 9 Verses 23 through 24, it says, Thus says the Lord, Let not the wise man boast in his wisdom, let not the mighty man boast in his might, let not the rich man boast in his riches, but let him who boasts boast in this, that he understands and knows me, that I am the Lord who practices stead. Fast love, justice, and righteousness in the earth, for in these things I delight, declares the Lord. Those are the things that the cross encompasses. The cross represents the love of Christ, the cross represents the justice of God, the cross represents the righteousness of Christ that is revealed in all the earth. Those are the things, when Paul says that we boast in the cross, we are boasting in those things that the cross represents. It is the love of God that led Jesus to the cross. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whoever believeth in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. And when it says that he gave his only begotten son, it does not mean that he merely gave him to us as a role model, but he gave him to us as the Lamb of God, as a sacrifice for our sins. That is the love of God emblazoned on the cross of Jesus Christ. It is the justice of God that is revealed in the cross because our sins demand justice. And justice leads to death. And it is not our death, but the death of Christ on that cross that leads to salvation. And it is righteousness. The righteousness of Christ walk... carrying those beams up the hill of Calvary to the top of Golgotha to hang on that cross, It is His righteousness on display there. It was not an innocent man that was destroyed on that day. It was a holy God. Proverbs 11.2 says, When pride comes, then comes disgrace, but with the humble wisdom. And this is why I say the wise boast in the cross. And it's because you, in order to be truly wise, first of all, James is clear that wisdom comes from the Lord. All right. Now you can study all day long. You can read, you can attend lectures, you can go to college after college after college, you can have degrees hanging on every wall. And let me be the first to tell you that that does not make you wise. It may make you smart, it may make you intelligent, it may make you famous in the eyes of those who you work with, it does not make you wise because wisdom comes from the Lord. And that wisdom is the only thing that can bring us to our knees and humble ourselves to the cross. We do not come to the cross with a haughty disposition. You cannot walk up to the cross and say, Lord, I see you. In fact, if you are coming to the cross in any other disposition than humbly upon your knees then you do not understand the cross. The cross beckons our very life. Christ tells us to bear our cross and follow Him. Bear the cross and follow Him. It does not matter how many prayers, how many gifts. It does not matter how many works. It does not matter if you've been baptized in the River Jordan. It doesn't matter if you've gone to some sort of iconic statue of Mary or some other saint. It does not matter if you have married the most holy woman or most holy man on the face of the planet. None of that warrants salvation except for the cross of Jesus Christ. And it is the wisdom of the Lord that brings us humbly to our knees before that cross. The wise man, the strong man, the rich man, none of them, none of them, receive what the humble, wise man receives from the cross of Jesus Christ. The wise boast in the cross. Secondly, pride leads to destruction. Pride leads to destruction. And when I say pride, I don't mean pride in our children. I don't mean pride in our hard work, and so I want to be very careful about that because I've had individuals ask me, are you saying it's not good for us to be proud in our, of, of our children? Well, absolutely we should be proud of our children. I'm very proud of my children. I'm proud of my wife. I'm proud of the things that I've been able to do. You know, But here's the thing, that pride is also an acknowledgment that were it not for Christ, I would have none of it. None of it. Absolutely nothing, were it not for Christ. And even those who reject Christ, yet see lofty gain or lofty accomplishment, even they owe everything they have to Christ. Everyone. Pride leads to destruction. Psalm ten three through four says, "For the wicked boasts of the desires of his soul." And the one greedy for gain curses and renounces the Lord. In the pride of his face, the wicked does not seek him. All his thoughts are, there is no God. Now that sounds kind of, can we get just a little bit philosophical for a second? Let me, let me just go a little philosophy on you, okay? Because you might say, well, I know some very boastful, prideful individuals that would say there is a God. Let's be very clear on who God is. God is omnipotent. That means all-powerful. God is omniscient, all-knowing. God is all-benevolent, that's all-loving. God is eternal. There is nothing eternal Except for the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. He, God, and the triune God is the only thing that reigns eternal. And therefore, they are all who would be considered God. Yet when we place ourselves above God, it's at that moment... When we are denying in practice God's existence. Because if God is God, then there is no one that stands above Him or below Him or beside Him or amongst Him. He is God. There is nothing else. So when we take pride or boast in anything other than God, we are in a sense placing ourselves above God. And so we might as well say there is no God. Because we have denied the very definition of who God is. Or at the very least, we're saying, We are God. I've heard people say that. When you ask them, you say, Who is God? Well, if you ask me who God is, I don't believe in some sort of ethereal being or some metaphysical or supernatural presence, I guess. If you're asking you know, who has complete reign and control over my life, well, it's me. So in that case, I am God. I've heard that said, and most of us in here would say, how dare somebody say something so arrogant and so prideful? But the truth is, more people believe it In their subconscious, even if they would not verbally admit to it. Because when we believe that we are the masters of our own universe, we are saying that we are God. There is no God but God. There is no God but He who sent Christ to be among us to walk that hill of Calvary to die on that cross. So when somebody tells you, I believe in God, I just don't believe in Jesus. Let me be very clear. They do not believe in God because the only God that exists is the God who is the Father of Jesus Christ who also sends the Holy Spirit to be with us and to counsel us and to direct us. I love this passage from Daniel chapter 5. And this is an example of someone who believed they were God, and God showed them the difference. O king, the Most High God gave Nebuchadnezzar your father kingship and greatness. So this is where Daniel, Daniel is speaking to King Belshazzar, the son of Nebuchadnezzar, okay? And, and Belshazzar has been, been acting out, okay? Okay? So that he dealt proudly, he was brought down from his kingly throne, and his glory was taken from him. He was driven from among the children of mankind, and his mind was made like that of a beast, and his dwelling was that with the wild donkeys, he was fed grass like an ox and his body was wet with dew of heaven until he knew that the most high God rules the kingdom of mankind and sets over it whom he will. I love that passage because that is an example of a man who was given everything by God. And even though it was gifted to him by God, all of a sudden he realized he-, he comes to the realization, I must be God. Nebuchadnezzar earned nothing. God gave it to Nebuchadnezzar. Nebuchadnezzar receives it and then proclaims himself as God. And what does God do? He he sends him down from his throne out into the fields like a beast. And now Belshazzar, Daniel's trying to warn him and saying the same will happen to you. And if you read the rest of chapter 5, we realize that Belshazzar does not heed the warning and ends up getting assassinated that very night. There will be no other king than Yahweh. There will be no other king than Christ. Pride will lead to destruction. Let us boast in nothing other than the cross, which leads me to my final point. Boasting in the cross... Leads to life. It leads to life. So many people build their lives on what the Bible calls shifting sand. We build our lives on jobs that can be lost. We build our lives. On wealth that can be lost. We build our lives on relationships that can be lost. That's the shifting sand. Now you might say, I am a believer. I believe and I boast in the cross of Jesus Christ. Yet I have lost jobs I have lost wealth, and I have lost relationships. Does that mean that I, even in boasting in the cross, I have built my life on shifting sand? And the answer is absolutely not. It's because even when we lose those things, our firm foundation is still Christ. Because when Christ is the epitome of everything that we boast in, we can lose everything, even our lives, but we still have Jesus. We still have Jesus because He is the rock on which we stand. All other ground is shifting sand or sinking sand. I get the lyrics wrong. You get the idea, right? We build our lives in Christ, and boasting in the cross leads to Christ. Matthew Henry said this, come and see the victories of the cross. Christ's wounds are thy healings, his agonies thy repose, his conflicts Thy conquests, his groans, thy songs, his pains, thy ease, his shame, thy glory, his death, thy love, and his sufferings, thy salvation. I love that quote. Because men and women of the world boast in fickle Fickle things that will pass away and rust and moth will destroy. Their heroes are but mortal men or things that man has created. And they will go away like a breath. But he who boasts in the cross of Jesus Christ will never have to worry about it fading. They will never have to worry about them losing what they hold most dear. I love this line where he says, Christ's wounds are thy healings, and His agonies are our repose. It's this idea that when we are in pain, when we are suffering, we go back to the cross realizing that there is nothing that we are enduring that Christ has not endured first. Nothing. If you are in pain, if you are suffering, if you are being challenged, Christ was challenged first. His groans from the cross, or from the Garden of Gethsemane, His groans are our songs. Think about this. When we gather on a Sunday morning and we sing, how often do we sing about the cross of Jesus Christ? If you're in a Christian church that preaches the gospel, you better be singing about the cross on a regular basis. Folks, the cross was a torture device. How often do we sing about the blood of Jesus flowing like a river, making us white as snow? No wonder the world, the unbelieving world, thinks we're crazy of all the evil, debaucherous songs that our secular world brings to us. None of them are singing about the electric chair or a noose or about that kind of stuff. Yet Christians do. Why? Because we know what it means. His groans are our song, because we know that with those groans came our salvation. Martin Luther said, is it not wonderful news to believe that salvation... uh, catch, Catch this. Is it not wonderful news to believe that salvation lies outside ourselves? What does that mean? That means it does not matter if I am in Christ, no matter how despicable I believe I am, no matter how many times I fall, no matter matter how many times I get tripped up, no matter how often it happens, my salvation is not in and of myself. It is in Christ. It is in the cross. And nothing else. Salvation is outside ourselves. And finally, John Piper writes Life is wasted if we do not grasp the glory of the cross, cherish it for the treasure that it is, and cleave to it as the highest price of every pleasure and the deepest comfort in every pain. What once was foolishness to us, a crucified God, must become our wisdom and our power and our only boast in the world. It is the saddest thing in my in, in It is the saddest thing that I can imagine. Someone who believes that they have gained the entire world and goes to the grave, not boasting in the cross, realizing that in eternity, that they wasted their entire life. And I mean this. I'm not. I'm. I'm I. I will. I will, dumb this down and say this. If you are not boasting in the cross of Jesus Christ. You are wasting your life. It does not matter how many philanthropies you give to. It does not matter how many times you give or you go. Go to Africa. Build water wells. I don't care. I don't care how many orphanages you build, schools you build. I don't care how many churches you build. If your boast is in anything other than the cross of Jesus Christ, you are wasting your life. Your name might be on the side of hospital buildings. You may have monuments built of yourself on the mall in D.C. You may be in a museum one day. And if you did not give your life to Christ and boast in the cross of Jesus Christ and Him alone, your life was a waste. But look at my wonderful children. I'm not saying God didn't use you. I did wonderful things. I'm not saying God didn't use you. But in the end, you will not have life. Paul says, but for it be from but far be it from me to boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. As Christians, we are Are crucified to the world. We are crucified to it. Those things in the world mean nothing in comparison to the cross of Jesus Christ. Nothing. So if you are working, work for the Lord. If you are loving, love for the Lord. If you are building, build for the Lord. If you're singing, sing for the Lord. If you're raising children, raise them for the Lord. Whatever it is, we do for the Lord. And we celebrate the cross of Jesus Christ as we do it. And that is the faith that Christ gave His life for. He did not die so that we in the church could make His death cheap by saying that we can be saved by other means. There are no other saints to pray to. There are no good deeds that you can do. There is only one deed that was ever accomplished that earns you salvation. It was not accomplished by you. It was accomplished by Christ 2,000 years ago. And it's in that that we boast. Let's pray. Father, we do thank you and we give you praise for the glory that is the cross. And Lord, we would ask that where we, where we fail, where we lack, Father, I pray that you would humble us. Where pride is overwhelming, Lord, remove it and humble us so that we might only give ourselves to Jesus. Father, if there are those in here who do not know Christ, who have been boasting in other things for their salvation, whether it be some sort of special salvation prayer or, or baptism or membership to a church or a, or a, or a Christian family or, or good works, whatever it might be, if they are boasting or holding in, in high regard anything other than Christ for their salvation, Father, I pray that you would convict them, convict them, Lord, and turn their hearts to our wounded Savior. He and He alone is our fortress. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Would you stand?